Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you do not miss an episode. Today we have for you Jovel Fernandez from the Philippines. Jovel is a developer of better than the best teams and individuals in industry, clinical and medical affairs. She can be found on LinkedIn. Jovel, can you tell us a little bit more about your professional background? Thanks a lot, Simone, and, and uh, good day to everyone listening on this podcast. Um, I'm Javel Fernandez. As Simone mentioned, I'm originally from the Philippines, migrated here in the U.S. I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. I have a background subspecialty in reproductive endocrinology, infertility, and oncology. Uh, my husband is also a physician. He's retired, and I have three sons here with us in the U.S. Uh, two of them are already practicing their profession, also educated here in the university, and my youngest is studying in the university as of the moment. So with regards to my um, uh, work in the U.S., uh, previously I was with a huge pharmaceutical company. I used to work there and then also uh, worked in various countries, various territories, and had the opportunity to be educated in other countries as well, uh, uh, even outside of the US. For example, in Japan, I had the opportunity to practice medicine there as well and be educated there, obtained my PhD there. Uh, also in Singapore, worked there, also worked in Belgium, be educated there as well in various business certifications. And here in the US, I'm, I'm also taking several uh, business certifications too. Living in those countries, there are some challenges, nuances, and I can allude to them later on. But what I can say is um, living in here, here with regards to my background, I was fortunate enough to be in those territories, in those countries in relation to my work. And later on, I'll be focusing on what challenges were evident uh, and, and funnel it more to the US context. Okay. All right. So, so give us a little sense for what life is like in the Philippines. It's been on my list of countries to visit. I hear very colorful things from some of my former colleagues who served with the U.S. government in Philippines. They love the food. They love the culture. Give us a sense for what it's like back home, things that you do for fun, food, culture, music, and 
um, the language, which I know it's also is like Tagalog or something, right? Yes, yes. So uh, thanks, Simone. So Philippines consists of more than 7,100 islands. So we're, sep- we're there in those because of that nuance as far as geography is concerned, there are various dialects or languages. So if you don't um, actually, it's interesting, Simone, to your point, Tagalog is a language that we assume many individuals speak. Mm. But if you if you use Tagalog in some areas in the Philippines, they may never understand you unless you use their local lingo. English is actually more understood, which is interesting, right? Because um, as far as education is concerned, we learn English not just as a language, but in all the subjects. And we only learn Tagalog as a language. So we learn math, science, history, culture, political science, everything using the English language. I guess that's part of the history in terms of uh, we were, um, you know, in the past, as far as history is concerned, Spaniards came, the Japanese came, the Americans came. So variety of cultures. And you can see a mixture as well as far as the um, family heritage is concerned among all of us. For example, for me, my grandparents on the paternal side were Spanish descent, and my grandparents on the maternal side were from Malay descent. So, so that's how it was. I grew up in the farm, and I'm very proud to say that. And I love to, to feed the, the farm animals, you know, grow our produce. So everything was fr- fresh way back then. My grandparents were simple farmers on the paternal side. My grandparents on the uh, on the maternal side, sorry. My grandparents on the paternal side were like this uh, because of the Spanish um, ancestry were on the opposite side. They were the aristocrats, so to speak. So you can see as a growing um, child in the Philippines, there are some complexities in terms of how the social status is, how to blend in. So that in itself is already a huge challenge for me. Um, uh, when I grew up, I, you know, way back then there was no internet. Um, you know, power outage is a norm, especially if there's typhoon. Okay. Uh, the the beach is wonderful. You have to go to the beach. It's so, it's so, it's so, it's so um, white sand, so precious, so pure. And we grew up playing with makeshift toys like bottle caps, bottle can, you know, the cans, uh, the empty cans, the our rubber slippers, our, you know, pieces of wood, anything that you can use in order to amuse yourself. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the ones that we used to, you know, when we were growing. I used to climb trees too. So you I sound climbed. like you grew up with me in Jamaica. I'm serious. <laughs> We would make, I remember my cousin and I growing up, we had a huge, you know, my family has a lot of property, both sides, mom and dad. And yeah. so we had a lot of space in front of our home and every, the community kids would come and congregate on our property every evening. That's where everybody comes. We would make, in order to play baseball, we would make it out of a plastic bag and we would pack it and we put paper in it. We would make our own ball. So from, I mean, the creativity that we would come up, we have something that we call Chinese skip that we put the rubber bands together and we have two people holding them and we would jump the Chinese skip. We would something called sight in a ring where we make our own balls and we try two persons at the end and somebody in the middle trying to, you know, 
trying to get away from being hit with the ball. So it's amazing to hear you say that. I mean, I also grew up on like more of a farm type of in the country area. We had goats, we had a donkey, yeah, lots of yeah. cows and cattle farming, right? From my grandmother's yeah. era. So very similar. I mean, that is life for a lot of the world, right? Exactly. But you know what? Like what you alluded to, we, we, we learn to become creative. We learn to live in a community. And to your point, also the kids aggregate together. You know, we make fun. We amuse ourselves using simple things. So it's yes. so, so different nowadays. <laughs> yes. These kids are inside with technology. <clears throat> I, I find that being raised in that setting really taps into one's creativity and being flexible and adaptable. That's where that immigrant mentality, because you're raised in an environment where you've had to make the best of what you have and we were happy kids we were so happy we yeah. we we did our best in school we had good relationships we had community rich culture food cooking family lots of festivities it was rich so i i hope that we don't lose that perspective of the richness of that because i think once we go to like a western more industrialized country people can tend to think that those cultures are less than exactly more, right exactly. i mean i i beg to differ right exactly and to your point i guess because how we grew up everything was fully integrated in our system in our genes you know the way we behave the way we talk the way we act it's all in there and it's not that easy or we shouldn't even remove that because that's our true and core essence. Yes. Oh my goodness. Very, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. And so on the side of like the food, what do you guys eat? Um, okay. What's it like? <laughs> There's a lot of Spanish influence. Now, um, I, when people would ask, okay, what is Filipino food like? Okay. It's fatty, it's salty, it has high cholesterol, so it's not good for you if you're thinking of, of eating healthy food. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> with the Spanish influence, our, the, the food names are, are usually from Spanish wordings as well, like menudo, adobo, afritada. There's a Chinese influence too, so uh, thick, thick uh, sauces, uh, thick broth, and all those things. So staple food is rice, and you can have rice breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's not just like one off right yes. uh, and then you have like a meat or fish and then veggies so that's the usual food that we eat and that's normal and that's the standard one yeah very good very good uh, but people love it though people who visit love the food and and I guess because you come from a medical background you have that perspective of how nutritious it might be yeah, and, and, you know <laughs> and you know what's interesting, Simone, I, I would like, I, if you can indulge me, I would like to share what we eat during festivities or okay. you know, important occasions or parties. You know, the, the entire pig is butchered and roasted, so it's called lechon, or the entire cow is, is roasted and butchered. So you have wow. a huge, it's, it's like a huge party if you have those festivities. And it's like all day long, all night long, eating and talking and laughing. So that's the usual Philippine side of eating. It's not just eating, but also it's a, it's a sort of more uh, relationship building. Yes, right, right. Would it be considered more of a high context 
culture, yeah. right? Yeah, and 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 also uh, because it's very common. Uh, it's a Catholic country, so usually the the areas are named after saints. So you have festivity usually every week or something in a certain locality, and then they celebrate that festivity. It's called a fiesta. It's a huge celebration. Then people just prepare whatever they can. And they can invite anyone who do the passersby that they don't know. And they prepare anything, you know, just to entertain people. It's so like the hospitality is really something that I truly miss. You know, your neighbors. Um, and then the genuine warmth. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, that is, that is difficult to find as well. Yes, right, right. Yeah, it's 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 hard here. And I suppose there are different explanations as to why that might not be accessible here in the United States, right? But mm-hmm. yes, I, I do. I understand what you're saying. I tend to hear that a lot. People missing mm-hmm. that community, that communal experience that they have with their neighbors, and you know, everybody around you. And for us, we felt like if we were to misbehave as children, our neighbors would be able to chastise or discipline or report us to our, our family because everybody in the community was watching out for us, right? That whole yeah. village, right? Yeah, the village raises the children. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. yes. So what's the music? Talk about music just for a um, <laughs> So uh, basically, if I, would, if I would think of the traditional music, uh, it's really more of a serenade, uh, love songs and nature, like music involving the moon, the environment, the earth. Those are the traditional ones or serenading a, a maiden, you know, before they get married. The, that is in the past. Okay? I, I don't think that's happening nowadays, but, but the man has to do some chores for the, for the bride's family, like fetch water, you know, chop the wood and, and, do, and do the farming until the, the, the man will win the, the, the parents' you know, um, uh, agreement and then they get married. But essentially, uh, that's how the, the music is. Now, there are so many popular um, singers as well in the U.S. who are of Philippine descent, like her, for example. The mom is originally from the mm-hmm. Philippines. Um, Nicole Zellweger, the mom, I think, is the mom, yes, is originally from the Philippines. Um, Apples from Black Eyed Peas, he's also from the Philippines. So there's so many. Oh, yes, yes, I yeah. know. Him. Yes. Um, and a famous comedian, Joe Coy, bo- uh, you know, also from the Philippines. He he makes la- he makes he makes a lot of fun using the Filipino accent in all in in some of his comedy stints. So <laughs> right, a- right, right. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing a little bit with us about Philippine. And uh, for those of us who might not have known very much about the country. So you mentioned that you, you, you've traveled a lot, worked and studied in different countries. What is your story as to, was it a professional reason why you were, you're here in the United States or maybe perhaps it might be another story? Yeah. So in the, in the U.S., professional and family. So I guess my, my father was the one who moved here in the U.S. at first. 
his other siblings also moved to North America because an account of my grandfather who used to be a U.S. war veteran during the war. So my mom, though, doesn't want us to move to the U.S. because of whatever she hears that kids raised in the U.S. don't respect their parents. They call 911. They, the education is so pricey. She will miss her community. She will miss her friends. We will be, uh, we will not have a chance to grow up to be Filipinos, you know, like respect for the elderly. So that's the one that, that was a priority for her. So I guess for me, what was painful is for my dad being away from us for a long time and sort of became alienated to us. So that's a usual Filipino story when a usually a breadwinner of the family, either the, the father or the mother, works outside of the country to support the family back home. And actually we are the we are we are one of the leading countries of um, actually um, exporting human labor. So you can find Filipinos all across the world doing whatever job that is. And, and it's interesting because in the country they they could be very successful. They could have their profession like lawyers, physicians, teachers. But when they come to the U.S., they could do odd jobs, right? So for me, I, I was fortunate that with the, with the previous pharmaceutical company that I used to work at, for some reason, and this is a core essence that I don't want immigrants to forget, just being themselves, right? Just be yourself. Even if people criticize you, don't lose your essence. And this is because... I guess just being myself, I do remember somebody told me, uh, you know, telling me to do something. And then I said, yeah. you know what? I actually don't know what you want me to do. Can you walk me through? And you know, that person told me the most difficult thing that the smart person will say is to admit that he or she doesn't know what to do. And that actually paid the way for me, I guess, to be successful in my career maybe I was surrounded by the right individuals too, right? So, so that actually propelled me towards moving and being relocated in various territories. But to your point, if I may be, if I may be white, will I be, will I be um, dealt with differently? I don't know, but they always, they always, uh, I mean, not always, but Several individuals have, have pointed out the way I talk or my accent is not American enough or mm -hmm. it's not pleasing enough to be in a conversation. And sometimes I feel isolated if there are like, you know, those outside meeting conversations when you socialize and then they talk about Philippine, uh, no, uh, U.S. history, U.S. culture, and I cannot even communicate much to it. I studied US, US history and culture when I talked the citizenship exam, but you know, it's not integrated in me like whatever happened in their history. So it's, it's so hard to follow through. Yes, yes, I can understand. Did you arrive later in life? And did you have an American dream at the time? And, and what were some of the challenges that came along? Yeah, so I, yeah, I arrived later, it was with work with the with the kids. Um, my American dream is for, for my kids to be given the opportunity that I know they won't experience if they are in the Philippines. So 
I believe they always say that this country is the land of opportunity. And I agree with that. And but that opportunity is something that you have to find and seize. Right. So it's not something that may not be offered to you in a in a in a in a golden plate, essentially. So um, I guess for me, my main my main objective is for my kids to be given the opportunity. I believe as parents, we want that, that our kids should have a better future than us. Um, I'm not saying that the environment where I grew up is not feasible or suitable for kids, but I believe that I will always fear for their, um, you know, will even if they will aspire to to have the the top education or something, I don't think they will prosper and and develop fully of what they want to become if we are there. So I always, you know. Um, uh, it, it's something that I, I looked forward to when we moved here. My main motivation, our main motivation is really our children. So, and then also the American dream of my dad. He wanted all of us to be together in the U.S. So um, it's just unfortunate that among seven siblings, only three of us decided to move uh, here, in the US, here in the U.S., my other siblings, when they were cold and had the opportunity to migrate, uh, they were very uh, stable in the Philippines and they didn't want to move anymore. But now that they have kids, they decided, oh, my God, we should have decided to move. Right. So because essentially, um, I guess it's really for the children. That's my biggest uh, motivation. Right. So it sounded like you remained with with mom and your siblings in the Philippines and dad was here working yes. and then um, you got married over there had your yeah. family and then moved afterwards yeah. for the children exactly exactly I guess what we see in the country of course uh, media is always height not not always but there are certain instances whereby it may not be factual and true but sometimes if you're in that environment you get fed up with some situations right so you know it's so hard to commute to work when it's only like five miles and it will take you an hour for example to commute yes. so you lose like two hours of your work productivity for the day already so yes. so that could be that that's a situation it's interesting you know my eldest son told me that mom you know what if we didn't move to the u.s maybe now i'm a call center agent he said mm. uh, or maybe now i'm working in one of the cruises you know because in the if you if you if you board a cruise ship you will find a filipino somewhere working there right or maybe i would have studied to become a nurse so it's easier for me to move to the u.s so so all those ones are 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 what you know they're saying right and i can understand that perspective because coming from an island myself from jamaica it's a smaller country and though the country pumps out a lot of educated jamaicans because the economy is so small it cannot absorb everybody and so you find people going to canada the uk the u.s in order to get better um employment opportunities you know opportunities to earn more and to take care of their families so I get I get that perspective that if you know and I actually said to my husband yesterday I wonder what my life would have been like had my dad our family remained right because I moved here right out of high school I graduated and then I left like within months my dad gave up his business very thriving business and 
my brother gave up a, a great scholarship going to one of the, like maybe the best high school in the country. We all had to take an exam to be graded and you, based on your score, you get placed into a high school. And so he got a, he did so well, like school, maybe one of the top scores. He got a government scholarship to go to Campion College, one of the best schools in the country. But we gave all of that up. And I think because yeah. my parents were thinking, like you're saying, it would be better here. We would have more of an uh, opportunity, opportunity if they move. Yes. Yeah. And he came later in life. And so when people move when they're older, it's different. It's different for you and you adjust differently finding a job you have to start over you might have to do a different work from what you were doing in your home country and so it's quite a sacrifice so I can completely get that you know exactly I mean economically uh better right when it comes to coming here I mean I know some of my colleagues uh who would not practice their profession here in the U.S. to be physicians they would rather they they would move to uh, either become a nurse or um, not a physician work uh, just for them to move and for their kids to be here too, and and it's also interesting. I guess is it because the Filipinos have this um, Western type of mentality or culture because we were colonized way back then, whereby our mindset. It's ingrained that we are inferior compared to the other races. You know what I mean? Uh, because of the because of the we were colonized for hundreds of years. It's like that mentality that you are inferior to others or you're enslaved. Um, you know, like because you can be easily colonized by others. So that right. second so that's class why, exactly second class. So that's why you it's it's it's. It's not uncommon to find Filipinos who would call ma'am or sir to everyone as a sign of respect. And, yes. and also, you cannot find, it's interesting, depression in that country is actually not common because we laugh a lot. We, I guess it's a way for us to really uh, live through that world of being a slave of so many foreign colonizers through, our, through the years uh because of you know in order for us to remain sane but essentially that's how the history was and um, right. it is so it is so challenging i mean you know what what is hurting sometimes is when i um when i'm in a country uh, whereby because of my travel um and then uh because i was fortunate enough as, as, a, as an executive in a pharma company but i see um uh other Filipinos who are very who are professional where in the Philippines, but they do they are like cleaning ladies or they are like they are like mm. domestic helpers. And I know that they're very educated and very intelligent. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> so it's really it, it's always for the family. They're doing that for the family. They're doing that for their kids. They're doing that to educate their their love. You know, to send money to the Philippines. Yes, yes. Underemployment is big in exactly in the community that we're speaking of, right? And so, and it's quite a. I find it to be quite a bit of a, um, it's a lost opportunity, I think, for us as a country in the United States not to capitalize on so much talent that is coming from across the seas and is here 
I mean, can you imagine if we were to tap into some of that um, expertise that people are bringing over? Yeah. Amazing. I, I think exactly. it's a lost opportunity. Exactly, exactly. And you will have to work double time in order to, in order to uh, achieve that, that rank or that position in a company or in the industry you're working at because you're not originally from, from this here. country. Yeah. Yes. What was your experience? Did you get your education as a doctor in the Philippines? In the Did Philippines. you have to recertify when you came here and when you got well, went to other countries? What was the experience it, like? It, it's interesting. So educated as a physician in the Philippines, did my residency there. Um, I have to take another examination in, the, in Japan, and it's in another language, which is very, very difficult and challenging. It's an, I cannot find of a, of a superlative word more than difficult, ex exact, especially. Uh, another chance to practice there. I chose not to practice medicine here because essentially you will, I will have to go through examinations and residency training when in fact I'm already practicing as a consultant. So when I observe, it's like, Oh my God, these are the people that I'm teaching and these people will teach me what I'm supposed to do. Right. Oh, so right. it is so, so what, what, so I, in the U S I, my husband and I decided not to practice medicine anymore because we will be subjected to years of training that we already underwent in the Philippines. So I concentrated in the corporate world, in the pharma industry world. Um, and essentially that's where I developed and uh, groomed myself. Now, going towards you know those training of course you need to do double time you need to train yourself you need to understand what is american business what is the american way of thinking what is the norm what is the finance part what is the the so that you can be chosen over the other candidates for example for a certain yes. a certain position yeah Join us next time for part two of this episode. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.